Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This podcast is sponsored by Cloud Optimizer. As a business owner or IT manager, are your cloud investment costs going up and you don't know why? It's time for Cloud Optimizer. As you migrate your business to the cloud, what you're spending and why you're spending it can get a little hazy. But Cloud Optimizer clears up the mystery and puts the cloud to work for you. Cloud Optimizer starts by analyzing usage patterns, right-sizing resources, leveraging discounts you may not be aware of, implementing automation, and much more. And by reducing unnecessary expenses and maximizing performance, Cloud Optimizer guarantees you a savings of five times what you spend for their service. As you utilize cloud-based services more and more, you don't have to lose sight or control of your spend. You can stay agile, streamline your costs, and optimize your performance, plus save significant money with Cloud Optimizer. Make the cloud work for you with Cloud Optimizer. Get a free assessment and find out how much you can save by going to cloudoptimizer.com. Go to cloudoptimizer.com for your free assessment. That's cloudoptimizer.com. Football Social Daily. Premier League Preview. Hello and welcome to the Football Social Daily weekend preview show, giving you all the latest team news, predictions and insight ahead of a busy weekend of Premier League action, as well as our daily podcast. We're also giving you the most up-to-date daily Premier League news. All you have to do is simply ask your Amazon Alexa device to enable Sports Social. It's a new weekend of Premier League football and today I'm joined by Mark from The Independent. Mark, how are you? Hello mate, I'm good, how are you? I'm very well, thank you. Meat pies in the studio, so a smile on my face. <laughs> Sam, how are you from The Athletic? Uh, yeah, good, thanks. All right, all right. Very- Excited for the football and all, oh, yes. all of that stuff. When are we not? And the Fergal, soccer. the producer, how are you? Uh, I'm excited for the meat pies and then the football after that. Yeah, meat pie, sausage roll, uh, <laughs> you all know the lyrics. Gentlemen, we're starting things off. Sheffield United versus Liverpool. Uh, I was at the game at the weekend, saw Liverpool, saw a few youngsters. But Mark, um, do we think Sheffield United can cause a problem? Well, I, I guess a look at the table or, you know, our perceptions of these two teams would suggest no, but I've got I've got a weird feeling about this one. I think... Liverpool are about to embark on quite a tricky run and I think it probably starts here. We've been quietly impressed with what we've seen from Sheffield United. They look quite solid at the back. I think their defence is... I think they've conceded just six, which is... From six games, it's actually the same amount as United and City. So it's going to be a tough afternoon. I would, I don't know if we're a shock's on the cards, but we're talking maybe a, a narrow Liverpool win? Not sure. Um Sam, one of the main things I've been impressed with, Sheffield United have kept kept that ethos coming up from the Championship, but against Liverpool, is that where they might have to sort of alter it? Um, well, yeah, but I think, to be fair, I think they have shown a bit of flexibility this season. Uh, in the first game against Bournemouth, 
I think they, they switched it up a bit. They were generally a bit more circumspect. And then in the second half, once Bournemouth scored, they switched it around. I think in different games, they've shown different traits. At Everton last week when they won, I think Chris Wilder said they didn't deserve to in the end. But when they lost at home to Southampton the week before that, he said they should have won that against Everton. They didn't. But against Everton, at least, they did defend quite resolutely. Um, they're going to need that, obviously, against Liverpool. And I, fundamentally, I I know exactly what Mark means I know what everyone means there is a bit of a sense that you know difficult ground to go to Sheffield United have started well they're going to be well up for it the crowd will be well up for it it's going to be a difficult game for Liverpool but I think Liverpool and City have reached that level now where barring miracles and like when City lost to Norwich pretty much was miracles it was individual mistakes mm. all over the place a bit of bad finishing they still nearly got a point even after being really bad barring that kind of luck which happens what twice out of 100 games or whatever mm. these teams they're not having these kind of shock results. Look at the end of last season. Neither of them lost a game from January onwards. I just think City, uh, so I just think Liverpool, are, they're going to win. Like Mark said, it, it might be a narrow one, but I, I can see them winning easily. To compound that, Fergal, obviously Mane, Salah, Firmino all rested in the week. Does that just um, stoke the fire for Liverpool win even more? It does indeed. I mean, when you think of Sheffield United and, and as Sam said, the way they've started this season, Wilder's not been frightened to make changes to, to system and to personnel during games if it's not been quite going their way. But the way Liverpool have started this season, they've just been suffocating teams, um, not giving teams any time and space on the ball to come out of defence, not giving them a sniff in midfield they're so energetic Some, with Fabinho I think he's been excellent for them so far this season playing that role just kind of almost spider legs across the midfield and, and not letting anything get through and yeah as you say key players rested in midweek when they went away and beat MK Dons to, to get through to the fourth round of the, the EFL Cup and it will just feed into that Sheffield United rested quite a few players but they don't nearly have the same squad as Liverpool in terms of personnel and, and experience I do agree with the two guys that there is this sense and, and none of us have been able to put a finger on it of there's there's just something in the back of your mind that makes you think maybe just maybe but you know none of us can actually say why we think that because based on the starts of the season Sheffield United have been good um, they've relied on kind of defensive solidity particularly at Everton last week as as Sam said they they took the kitchen sink from Everton uh, in the second half and then just waited and waited and at least Moisset uh, got the second goal for them I don't know why I think there's going to be a result but I'm going to go a step further than the, the, the two lads here and say that I think Sheffield United are going to get a draw wow I do you're putting money on it uh, with yeah. you or with with my friend Mr. I haven't got Mr. Cash Power. On me. I would normally do that. Sort of, um, Mark, up, Klopp spoke in the week that they're not really speaking about this. Uh, un, well, the hundred percent record is. Do I? I mean, Fergal Can't just made been asked about that already. I mean, we're making bold predictions, <laughs> not here. just Liverpool, but just you know, yeah, it's mad how these general. things come up so early, isn't it? But how far can they go with with this team and the squad as well? What in terms of winning every game in the season? Or can we can we see another invincibles? That's what I'm putting down on the line. Invincibles. I mean, well, we're talking about a team here that lost one game all last season. It doesn't feel like that because in the end they didn't win the title, and you know draws are kind of the new defeat. So you know mm. we talk about unbeatables, but it's probably a bit easier now than ever to go unbeatable. <laughs> but uh, I, I agree with Sam. What we've seen is that we have two teams that are so far away above every everyone else in the league that it creates this dynamic where, you know, we are expecting them to win every game every week, to be honest. And if you look at the bookies, as they suggest that as well. Um, and the flip side of that, in terms of Sheffield United, is that we've probably got the other 18 teams 
one of the most even, you know, ordinary Premier League seasons that we've we've ever seen. Yeah. So for for them, it's like it's almost like it's the best time to come up, and you know, make a stab of staying in the division and and establishing establishing yourself there. So um, so yeah, I mean, I I I think Liverpool have got it got it within them. Certainly, certainly, we could see it. Um, Sam, Alisson is rumoured to be back very soon. One of the things I've noticed when they've been playing as well is how instrumental he is to kind of getting that ball out of the back. Is I mean, with City's defensive frailties and Alisson coming back, could that uh, further the gap even further? Uh, well, no, because Liverpool have just been winning anyway. Yeah, they're, they're not going to get more than three points just because Alisson's come back. You know, they're, they're still going to keep winning. I think, and again, when I say I'm not expecting Sheffield United to get a result, I'm not doing Sheffield United down. If Sheffield United were playing Arsenal tomorrow or Chelsea tomorrow or United or Everton or Leicester, I'd go, yeah, or Spurs. Go, yeah. yeah, yeah, good chance. But Liverpool are just really good. Um, yeah, and to be fair to Liverpool, I know you know some City fans have said, oh, you know, they they don't get any injuries. But Alisson getting injured, first game of the season, massive. You would think this is going to cost them here, not just in the fact that he makes great saves and saves you don't expect a lot of other goalkeepers to make, but yeah, like you said, playing out from the back. And when Adrian committed that mistake at Southampton, you think, okay, they they could drop points here. They haven't at all. Adrian's largely largely done well, but when Alisson goes back in, yeah, he's just going to be even better than Adrian. Um, they might concede even fewer goals. They, they're going to keep winning. It's a bit like De Bruyne last season. De Bruyne missed most of the season. Um, City still won the league without him. They still did great things without him. But it doesn't mean that he's not great. He's going to come back. He's going to add even more. But Liverpool are good enough without him, without their goalkeeper. And City are good enough without De Bruyne to keep winning. And I think that's that's it, really. They, If anything, they'll just be a bit better. But they're still going to keep winning games. You've got, you've got Naby Keita coming back now as well, who we haven't seen... What quite what we expected from him, mm. but this is another player that is going to be key for Klopp and Liverpool. It's one that they they tr- tried so desperately hard to get. They wanted for ages. He came, and then last year it was it was kind of underwhelming. But he returned in midweek, and you know he's the type of player who, in a game at Bramall Lane away to Sheffield United, where you need somebody to pro- progress the ball through midfield, you know he's ideal. So yeah, I don't that's, know we... that's where you talk about maybe winning every game. Which yeah. they're, not, they're not going to because that's mad. But, <laughs> but it, that's more of a difference maker because it's somebody you can bring on or it's somebody you can start in a game to rest Henderson or mm-hmm. Fabinho if you wanted to play in a slightly different... But you know what I mean? It's an extra body, really. That That's that's more of a difference to where they, they may finish off better than City this season. Players like that that you can call upon. The only thing they haven't really got is the front three. Right. But they got well enough last season. So, uh, Gents, predictions time. Uh, Mark, I'll start with you. Yeah, like, like I said, narrow win, so I'm going to say 2-1. I like that. Give Sheffield fan, United fans a bit of hope. Sam, what are you going for? Yeah, well, I always think whether it's a City game or Liverpool game and it's narrow, you think, yeah, 2-1, but if Liverpool take that extra chance that they're going to get, it could be a narrow win, still with 3-1, so I'm going to go with hard four to an extent, but still 3-1 to Liverpool. Fergal, you've already put your uh, prediction out there. Yeah. Um, I'm giving you a chance to change your mind. You're no, sticking no, with it. I, I would probably steer closer to Mark and going for a 2-1, but I just think there is, there's just some, I just think the way Sheffield United set up, I think they will look to be really, really narrow, stop Liverpool getting space in behind, and I do think they can get a draw, so I'm going to go one each. Fantastic. Go on then, mate. Put yourself on the line. I like that, Sam. Uh, <laughs> uh, I'm going to go for 4-1 to Liverpool. Oh, because I, I like the fact that that front three have been rested in the week yeah. and uh, they can go from there. Perfect. Like I said, we are going to be talking Manchester United at Arsenal and I'm joined by Sam from Total Football and Analysis. Sam, how are you? I'm good, Will. How are you? Yeah, very well. Thank you, mate. So how are the teams going to set up on Monday night? Well, I think the key to it will be the, the midfield decisions. I think the Unai Emery will have to go with Ceballos, try and exploit that space in between the midfield and the defence. 
the United often leave vulnerable and for United there'll be a lot of decisions to make for Ole Gunnar Solskjaer I mean he's got to choose in midfield whether he wants to line up with Matic or, or go with McTominay I think neither of them are, are really ideal for this battle and then obviously with Rashford and Anthony Marshall likely to miss out then he's got some decisions to make in attack as well if it's Mason Greenwood then he might give that surprise factor that United need but it'll be a difficult challenge for, for Solskjaer I think Sam, one of the issues that United have had this season is they've looked very immobile, particularly the, the back or the base of their midfield. Yeah. Um, teams have found quite a lot of joy so far in, in looking to to exploit the area between centre-back and, and centre-midfield and, and look to either create chances for the front players or or get shots off from distance. Arsenal will obviously be focusing on that. You've mentioned Danny Ceballos and, and the role that he's expected to play. Given the fact that Arsenal do look to play quite a counter-attacking style, do you think they've got the potential to maybe bring someone into a, a number 10 position to, to almost stand in between those two positions for United and look to really, really cause some damage? Yeah, I think that'll be the, the real challenge for, I think, Arsenal and Liverpool, probably to the two best suited teams to, to exploit that weakness in United's, United's setup. And obviously with Ceballos, they can kind of push him further forward and then they've got Aubameyang and, and Pepe to make the runs with a bit more pace. So I think it'll be interesting to see how they exploit that. Maguire and Lindelof are, on the quickest of players and then Matic is pretty immobile as well so I think that's definitely the weakness that Emery will be looking to target and it'll be interesting to see what he does in midfield with, with Solskjaer trying to decide whether he goes with Matic or if he goes for McTominay but McTominay has his own weaknesses he's not the best positionally I think either way Thabaios will be looking to try and exploit that second midfielder that plays alongside Pogba and try and get away from Pogba and find the space and, and whether that's his skill and his movement or his pace against Matic I think that would be the key to, to Arsenal finding their way through. On the other hand, we have seen Arsenal, for example, at Watford concede, what was it, something like 31 shots. They're not having a great yeah. time of it themselves defensively, uh, but also United have all their attacking players missing. So are they going to be able to exploit that? Yeah, it's a strange one, really, because Arsenal are defending like a team fighting relegation lately. So seeing how United try and line up against that. I think in a weird way, it may play to their favour almost, that they haven't got Rashford and, and Martial and they might have to go with Greenwood because we know what David Luiz is like and we know what the Arsenal defence is like, but they're not the best at concentrating. And so for preparing for a 17-year-old that they don't know too much about, who's got good movement, good footwork, it could be something that strangely works United's favour to try and catch the, the Arsenal defence and the wares and, and find a way through. But... I think that would definitely be kind of the battle between the both two teams that don't have the best setups defensively, but seeing whether their forward players have got the quality to make that difference. I think Arsenal have probably got the edge just with their front line, but equally Arsenal's back line isn't as strong as United, so it'll be an interesting battle. Perfect, Sam. Thank you for that. Where can people find you? Well, Sam Leverage on Twitter. Sam, I'll come to you from one Sam to another. In my head, I'm thinking an Arsenal away win here. Am I, am I I'm crazy? thinking shambles. I'm thinking absolute shambles all round. Yeah. Um, you, like yeah, with Mark, with Mark's question, Arsenal concede so many chances, but United like that Watford game is insane. You, yeah, but mean? and but like United don't can't really score anyway, no. and like even Rashford's not playing now. Rashford's having like a really bad run at the minute, but according to Solskjaer, he's not going to play. Although I do actually kind of think it would be completely out of the Solskjaer playbook to give it the old Ferguson treatment Ferguson and say, oh, Martial, Pogba yeah. and, and Rashford aren't going to play. And all of a sudden they do. Because obviously he just, everything he does is related to Ferguson, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> but, but if they are all out, what have they got? Dan James literally by himself. Greenwood, he's surely still too young. I know he scored in the last couple of games. And I know Arsenal have conceded more chances than like anyone in the big five leagues in Europe. But scoring against Rochdale and Astana is different. 
I think the it's biggest, just it's going to be a mess. I think the biggest problem that United have had, and I, I seem to be writing this every time I go to Old Trafford right now, <laughs> <laughs> but it might be the only time I've ever got something spot on in my life. Um, so I'm I'm going to say it again. The problem they have is that if you give them the ball, if you let them have the ball, they probably won't beat you. The, yeah. st- the statistics on this, like when they have possession of the ball, they invariably lose or draw a game, and it it just. It just screams of a team that doesn't know how to break down a, a defence that's set deep and low and is organised. Now, luckily for them, they're playing Arsenal, who don't have that set up. And, you know, we, we've seen on this insistence of playing out the back and just how willing um, they are to be put under pressure. So I, I find this one really, I, I struggle to call it. Like It, could it was be like chaos. The, the game in December, wasn't it? That was bad enough when Mourinho was still there. Yeah. And was it a late United equaliser? Yeah. It was that was a mad game, and I think now both teams are worse in a way. Certainly form wise, I think United are. I think Arsenal are as well, actually. And just the way their season's been going, it just—I I feel like it could be a nil-nil and very static, and just you know nothing happens, or it could be a three-three. But really, we can't really separate these teams because they've just got so many flaws about them. It's hard to pick up who's got the most. Yeah, because like last, start of last season when Spurs won three-nil at United, and it felt like apocalyptic for United. Yeah. Well, at least Spurs had something about them then. I'm, mm. I'm not sure Arsenal have, does but they probably got more about them than United have. Does it not even seem strange now, Fergal, the decision to let Lukaku go? I know he's on monstrous, monstrous wages, but I mean, now we're talking about Mason Greenwood, Greenwood stepping up. Well, it does, because when you look at the situation, yeah, you could say Solskjaer wasn't necessarily able to litigate against further injuries, but he's let Lukaku, whatever United fans view maybe on Lukaku, he's let a player that does guarantee a certain level of goals. I don't think he's ever... He was never going to be the player that United anticipated him to be when they bought him. But in terms of numbers, his numbers are better than what they have left. Um, I'm not necessarily saying he's a better player than Martial. Personally, I don't think he is. But in terms of getting goals, in terms of knowing what it's about in the Premier League to to get a certain level of goals, he does know that. He does have. He does come with a, a slight. You know, I'll put a little disclaimer next to this. He does come with a, a slight guarantee of a certain amount of goals, which which other players in that United squad just don't have at the minute. And to pick up from what Mark said before, I think he's. He's absolutely spot on. This is such a bizarre game, or he's got. I think it's going to be such a bizarre game with a United team that don't know what to do when they get the ball against the an Arsenal team, particularly an Arsenal back four that will be throwing the ball back to them. <laughs> it's going to be like a game of beach football where no one really knows what's going on because Arsenal will be saying we can't defend. You know get in behind us and United will be saying well we don't know how to and I do think this is I think it's going to be like a life of Brian situation no one no one really knows what's going to happen and it's got all the makings of a 4-4 and it's all got all the makings of a nil-nil I've got yeah. I, I just think it could go either way and, and it's it's a sad situation to find the, the two sides in as you know as I said before yeah. about how far away City and Liverpool are at the minute United and Arsenal where they are now they've they've never looked further away from getting back to regular top four title challenging sides than they do in the here and the now Mark it's all doom and gloom at United but is there anything to be positive about I mean I saw Romero's celebrations against Rochdale I mean <laughs> is that where we're at now I think so um, is there anything to be positive about I think <laughs> it's hard isn't it if, I, I guess if you said that if you were doing a rebuild job and you wanted to just start all over again then you would probably do what Solskjaer has done in that he has promoted young players uh, the three signings that they brought yeah, in. Yeah, there's all pieces there, isn't there? So we can say, and, and to be honest, I think the defence might be okay. I wrote this and then they went and lost 2 0 at West Ham, but I don't, you know, I think the defence might be okay. I think you've got you've got definitely the foundations there to build something, but it, we really are working with it's, it's thin gruel at the minute. You know, there's, there's, there's not a lot to go on. 
and it needs time and he needs to be shown patience but whether he's going to get it is a, is a different question Sam on the Arsenal side of things they have shown in patches how good they can be do you think this is almost like a good sort of spotlight to do it under on Old Trafford on Monday night yeah I think so um the thing is, it, it does feel a bit like that Chelsea-United game right at the start of the season where anything could have happened. And yeah. obviously, in that game, Chelsea could have been 2 or 3 nil up or yeah. at least 1-0 at half-time. And that was weird in the 4-0. It yeah, feel like a 4 exactly. But it yeah. feels like now United don't even have you know, the tools to do that, You know, to catch out Arsenal. They don't have... They, well, they might not have Pogba to play a ball into Rashford and Rashford to score on the break. That's just not going to happen. It's unlikely to happen. Um, so whether Arsenal can profit, I think they can. Because, yeah... They've got a very sloppy defence, a very open defence, as we know, but they have got great players. They have got Aubameyang. If They could play Lacazette as well, I think. They could play Pepe as well. They've got people capable of scoring goals. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if it was Aubameyang who settled it, and that might be the narrative after the game. He's he's the one quality forward on the pitch, because United literally won't have any yeah. if they're all injured. And Arsenal have got Aubameyang, who he, he's probably dragging them towards the point, Sally, they have actually got yeah. at the moment. Emre's experimented with different tactics as well. Do you think this is the perfect time to put the two up front as well against United? I do. I think you've got to put United in a position to ask questions of the back, their, their back four. As, as Mark said, they look relatively solid and then they go and concede two against West Ham. Um, and I think the partnership between Lacazette and Aubameyang has been a, a bit of an issue for Emery in the last... Probably the probably almost since he came in in terms of he wants to play them both but he wants to get the rest of the team being able to fit around playing with a front two and then he goes and signs Nicolas Pepe in the summer so I think he's kind of made a rod for his own back in that sense when he has those three players and they're all fit he almost has to play them I think Lacazette's got a minor injury he's not 100% likely to play I think it's potentially more likely that you'll see Aubameyang and Pepe as a front two and I think Yes, United, if they've got one saving grace at the moment, it's that the additions of Maguire and Wan-Bissaka have been solid and, and been relatively consistent so far, not hitting any huge heights, but they've been they've been solid. But up against someone like Aubameyang, who, was, as, as Sam said, he's he's masked over the issues that Arsenal have had so far this season. The goals he's got have, have dragged them higher up in the table than they probably deserve to be. And I think... He will. He will be. He will be the difference. But in terms of a front two, I think if ever there was a time for Arsenal to go and play against a rival side, it is this. It is this weekend. Gents, just finally, um, this week I was watching Too Good to Go Down. Obviously, when United went down in 1973. Now I saw some of your faces there. I'm nowhere near suggesting that Manchester United will go down this season. But where do we think they will finish? I think they're going to come sixth. You do think they'll do it? I think this top six will be the top six. Yeah? Yeah. I no think one breaking so. in. Mm, Sam? No. Yeah, the thing is, I always said throughout the summer, there's there's like a, a huge different inconsistency between the sides who want to be in the top six, like if we go back to the start of the season, Wolves, Everton, Leicester, yeah. and teams even like United, who had a terrible start to the season and a terrible end to the season and a good middle and still finished sixth. And I was thinking, it's going to be the same top six as it was last season. But I mean, United's performances and the general aura around the club is kind of chipping away at that confidence a bit but the only thing is then going back to the clubs we thought most likely at the start of the season to do it it's only Leicester who are looking really threatening mm. I don't think Palace are going to keep it up all season okay. I don't think anyone else is up there who's going to either so probably 6th but if not if it's not 6th then it's going to be like 10th or 11th <laughs> I don't think it'll be close <laughs> they'll either be awful or they'll have enough to get 6th well a couple of points can drop you way far down yeah. the positions yeah. can't they in the end so yeah they'll, they'll either have enough to do it 
or it will be a disaster. It's almost like no one wants it at the moment anyway, isn't it, Fergie? I think, yeah, it's been thrown around like a bit of a hot potato and, and I agree. I, I think, as Sam said, you look at the sides that want it and they look at the sides that have been there, done there and got the t-shirt, done that and got the T-shirt. And United are in a position whereby they might not get it through their own performances, but they might get it on the fact that Leicester maybe don't have the legs when it comes to February, March time, particularly if they've looked to make a bit of a cup run, um, whereas United will be able to squeak and, and scrape over the line because they've got that bit more experience in in regularly achieving Champions League football, whereas Leicester don't. Sam, I'll come to you first prediction. What are we going for? Monday night under the lights. Arsenal, I think. Arsenal? I think so. 2-0. Yeah. Uh, Two, oh, I like that. Mark? I'm really struggling. Will you this. be there? I'm going to be there, yeah. I'm going to say, I'm going to say, to against my better judgment, two one to United. I like Just that. because I think Arsenal's game plan is going to play into their hands a little bit. Mm, yeah, sensible. Fergal, uh, one each. A Bamiang for Arsenal, and then a, an error, an error or set piece goal for United. Lovely stuff, uh, gentlemen. We spoke about those teams kind of trying to break into the top six, and at the start of the season, we were all speaking about Wolves and Watford. They both play each other at the weekend, and they both haven't won a game all season. Fergal, I'll start with you. I mean, where's it all gone wrong? I mean, we can. I mean, <laughs> Watford. It's pretty obvious losing eight 0 It's not a great start, wow. but what happened uh, for Wolves? For Wolves or Watford? Well, for what? Well, well, we'll kick off. Be up there. We'll go off with uh, with Wolves as the home side. I think. The adage of the Europa League um, kind of being a bit of a bogeyman and, and obviously starting the season back in you know the middle of March or whenever it was that they started the Europa League qualifiers, I think that's a little bit of an old an old excuse now. Um, my issue with Wolves, when you look at them play, it's confidence. The key players, I think I mentioned this on the podcast before, of the key players through the spine of the team, Rui Patricio, Conor Cody, Ruben Neves, Raul Jimenez, they don't look the players they were last year. Uh, Cody was excellent. He was he's one of the best defenders outside the top six. Real leader for that um, quite an inexperienced Premier League Wolves side. He was excellent. Had really good games against some of the best strikers in, in the Premier League. He doesn't look that way now. You look at the way he performed against Chelsea and Sammy Abraham. He was at fault for two, if not all three of Abraham's goals. And then right the way through the team, Neves has had a little bit of issues with injury, mm-hmm. but he doesn't quite see him himself. Martinho hasn't really played that much. Roman Saiz got himself sent off last weekend. He he yep. was a real unsung hero for them last season. Mm-hmm. And then at the top of the tree, you've got Jimenez, who was reliably knocking in goals when they needed to last season. I think he's got one so far this season, which was the added time penalty against against Burnley to get a draw. So when you look at that, for me, that's that's the basis of it. The, the players that have come in over the summer would have been coming in on the premise of, well, this base of players got this side from a newly promoted team to a Europa League side. So the only way is up. Yep those players haven't kind of almost fulfilled their side of the bargain to the new players. Sam, let's talk about Watford. You were there last oh. week watching them. Oh, it was weird. As good as City were, was it as... <laughs> I was sat next to Mark. It was really weird. Oh, yeah, we had a great time. What, it was weird that you were sat next to Mark or weird? Uh, uh, yeah, it was actually. I'm not normally in that block. Maybe that was a lucky charm for City or something. But City it was were good. Weird. But Watford, were they just... In- well, in- I mean, what can you do? Like, it wasn't Kike Sanchez-Flores asked afterwards if he got anything wrong or if he regretted anything. He was like, I, we didn't have time to find out if the game plan worked. Yeah, like, true, yeah. De Bruyne, 52 De Bruyne was started off at right back to put that cross in. Of course, nobody picked him up. And if you're going to give him that space, he found an ingenious way to get into that space that obviously they'd worked on. And then he put the ball in that only he can put in. Aguero and Silva know where he's going to put it, so they go after it. They scored. And uh, even Pep today, he was asked he was asked last week if that was a perfect performance. And he said no. And he was asked again today, he goes, what would be the perfect performance? He was like, look, there's not one. Last week, when City won 5-0, we had five shots... 
uh, on target and like all five went in he was like that's not that's not usual obviously the second one was a penalty the third one was a massively deflected free kick it was just a mad game and obviously by that point Watford obviously just crumpled what yeah. are you going to do 3-0 down already 5-0 within 18 minutes everything just goes out the window doesn't it um, so I mean where did they go wrong for Watford last week they just they allowed City to have a fantastic start and they were never going to re- recover from that because they haven't I don't know like, they've they've not won all season so why yeah, is, why, is that, why would they be able to recover from that? Is that like is that Mike Tyson quote? Isn't it? Everyone's got a plan until they get punched in the mouth. Yeah, you know. But they got punched in the last. mouth like fifty times. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm delighted that Mike Tyson's getting featured on the podcast. It's been it's been way too long to get him in. Um, yeah, I, I agree with everything Sam said. I think, um, but even if you set aside uh, trying to evaluate teams after six games. I look at every team that's played Man City and you're like, okay, we can kind of discount that. I know City is second and, you know, they've got beat at Norwich, but it's almost like if you come up against City, you're going to get battered. So put that to one side. But if you, even if you do that with Watford, they lost 3-0 against Brighton. I think they conceded three at West Ham. Um, so for me, the, the problem is the defence. And we saw this at the back end of last season as well, conceding a lot of goals. Uh, you look at who's playing there now. They've, they've signed Craig Dawson, who was like a, a Premier League centre back who got relegated with West Brom two yeah, years yeah. ago. You know, so I think I think that's where the that's where the problem is located, and uh, and whether they can fix it or not, whether Kike Sanchez Flores, as, as you know, he's already failed once at this club. So I, I'm concerned about them, and uh, having been quite positive about them, I think we all kind of were after last season. Yeah, you only have to look at the last. 12 months or so and, and well more like 8 months and see that this team's in decline Mark yeah. is there a saving grace two words for you Danny Welbeck is he the beacon <laughs> of light the Watford the hero they didn't know they wanted until he's fully fit and ready to play again um, <laughs> I'm not sure to be honest I mean let's Welbeck's career Welbeck's career so I, I don't know did he play for Arsenal last season I, I should know this probably but I don't no I don't know I don't think he did at all it's been it's, well his injuries uh, he was in the World Cup squad wasn't he and he was the only player not to get used I think I, I, I don't think that he's going to come in and, and be some kind of saving grace I think we know what we're getting from Danny Welbeck now after all these years I, I personally thought United Van Gaal was hasty in selling him and there was something to work on there you know but I think in the time since maybe Van Gaal's been proved right on that and and yeah I, I don't see that to be honest yeah these in a way these are all car crashes you can see happening we were talking about yeah. Lukaku being let go earlier it's not hindsight to say people at the time were thinking well at least if he goes then United need to replace him no, because yeah. if, if there's injuries then there's going to be real problems and look we've seen already there mm-hmm. are injuries yeah. there are real problems Wolves fans were worried about a lack of signings in the summer they spent a bit of money but they haven't I don't think they brought in any players who improved on the first team, which is difficult, fine. But if you've used the George Mendes connections to get in those players, then you're kind of reliant on him getting those getting better players in or or even like players in other positions where yeah. you, you can improve on. And the same thing for Watford. Like yeah. more so for Watford, because people are like the signings we've made here are not good. Like mm-hmm. Craig Dawson and Danny Welbeck. No. What, what do you expect? Yeah. Well honestly, what do you expect? Deeney's injury doesn't help because Deeney carries them to some extent. Well, he sorry, he can carry them to some extent because mm-hmm. like, they, they didn't really need carrying in the past. You know, a lot of times the Stars would align and Pereira and De La Feu would have good games. They're not going to have good games all the time because that's, this is the kind of consistency issue we talk about. They're not going to get top six last season or obviously this season because they're not consistent enough performers. But, you know, Deeney would be there as well. They've lost him. That's a problem. De La Feu probably had his one good game so far against Arsenal. But again, that's Arsenal when... We know the defensive problems they've had and that game was like the beacon for those defensive problems. Yeah, people could kind of see these issues coming. Um, but I don't think anybody expected it to be this bad for Watford. But the other thing that would worry me probably is, look, fine, 
losing 80 nil at City, I'd, I'd defy any other team to go in there and be smiling about it or even just like try your hardest until the end because it's like this is horrible. But if you kind of compare that to the situation they're in, relegation zone, bottom, if they're still bottom in a month, it's going to be the same situation. Are they going to have the mentality and the confidence and just whatever to rouse themselves and get out of it? It it, it may well be the same thing there. And, you know, it may just become a lost cause. And they may be... Not, they may not be, but they may be the one team like we've seen with Huddersfield recently where it's like, oh, well, they're gone. Yeah. You know, early on, you yeah. can just tell they're not getting yeah. out of it. That would be my worry. They've yeah. got they've got good players there, like I mentioned, and also Decore, but it just doesn't seem to be coming together at the moment. No, there's something not right. Gents, before we head to a short break, get your predictions on this. Fergal, I'll start with you. I think this is, well, we've had some tough ones, but this might be the toughest one to call so far. Uh, I'm going to go with home side, Wolves. Um, neither side have won so far this season something's got to give and you get the impression that it's going to be this weekend that's going to give so I'm going to go for a narrow 1-0 Wolves win Ooh. Mark I think 2-0 given Watford's de- defensive problem so far 2-0 to Wolves Sam what are you going for yeah I'm thinking Wolves but then if they were this predictably good they wouldn't be in the, the position they're in so I'm going <laughs> to I'm going to go for a draw Gonna put, is it a score draw? Or is it yeah. a nil-nil draw? Yeah, a score draw. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. One all doesn't matter. One yeah. all. Uh, I'm <laughs> taking money. Uh, gents, we'll go to a short break and then we'll be back very soon. Football Social Daily Premier League Preview. Football Social Daily Premier League Preview. Right, we are back. I'm here with Mark from the Independent. Mark, you well still? Still good. I can't see that uh, meat pie. Have you had it? No, I've covered it up with a tea towel because uh, I didn't want to look at it. That's fair enough. Sam, how are you? Yeah, all right. You're good. You're going well. well. Good, yeah. good football chat. Uh, so, as always, Fergal? Uh, yeah, but the hiding of the meat pie has kind of annoyed me a little bit. But other than that, I'm fine. Yeah. Well, I'll make sure it's given to you at the end. Uh, Brighton <laughs> versus Chelsea is next on my running order. Um, Chelsea have shown promise, but for me, Mark, they've done it in those games where they should have won against Norwich and obviously they've been scoring goals against Sheffield United. But is Lampard almost failing to deceive a little bit or am I being a bit harsh? I think so. I think you're right in that. It's weird for me, Chelsea, at the minute. Last last week, was that the happiest the crowd at Stamford Bridge has ever been to see their team drop into the bottom half of the table? It's weird, it's, isn't it's it? It's just odd, isn't it? Because if you think, if that was Sarri a year ago... Yeah, yeah. yeah. They're Arsenal. I, I've come to this dis- um, conclusion... After the game on the Sunday show, they're basically Arsenal with good PR at the moment. <laughs> but like good PR for good reasons because they've got a, a manager that people yeah, like, yeah, and he you know yeah. he wants to do things in inverted commas the right way. Yeah. But you know he's got good young English players. He's giving them a chance. People say he's got no choice, but he has. He could play Giroud. He could play Barkley. Yeah, that's true. He could play Christensen and Zuma, whoever centre yeah. back. You know he doesn't have to play them. So fair play to him. He is. But that kind of buys him more time. Yeah. But they have got problems. You know, they've conceded, what, two per game, I think, on average this season, across all competitions, maybe. But two per game is a lot. That's basically what we're saying about Arsenal's defensive problems. Um, they, You know, the first time they won at home this season was Grimsby the other night, yeah. which, again, it, it shocked me when I heard that. Yeah. Yeah. But that's because I think, oh, yeah, because Chelsea are going all right, aren't they? Because, it's weird, they, because it? they've got Abraham and they've got Mount. But, mm. you know, they, they battered Wolves. They've got these young players. They've got Lampard. And you've got the perception of a good team there. But they're not a good team. Not at the moment. I don't think you can't take it moment. out of the context of the transfer ban, can you? Which is what we're saying. So yeah. that we have to realise that you know this that's going to affect how uh, Lampard manages this team this season. But even with that, and even with playing in the young players, they could still play with a degree of control. They could still play with a coherent system. And I don't think we've seen that unless Ngolo Kanté is on the pitch, which was the big difference last weekend. 
And really, I th- at the moment, it looks like, you know, N'Golo Kante was important. He was important at Leicester. He's important when Chelsea won the title first season. He's been their most important player for years. He might be even more important now because it doesn't seem like they've got anybody else who's able to dictate and who, who basically is integral to the whole system working. Fergal, can you give Brighton fans any hope? I mean, Chelsea are scoring a lot of goals. Uh, Brighton, not so much so, but they they have got... I mean, Malpo started the season off well. They had that good performance against Watford, but they've gone off a cliff a little bit. Yeah, they have. And, and you look at the situation that Chelsea are having, as you say, as Sam said, two on average most games they're conceding. Most sides in, in the Premier League you'd look at and go, yeah, I fancy them to score, I fancy them to possibly even get a positive result against a Chelsea side. As the, as the guys have mentioned, it's all about the context. Everyone keeps talking about these young players and the, the role that Frank Lampard's done and, and et cetera, et cetera. But the cold, hard facts of points on the board and, and results tells a completely different story. So when you look at the situation that the two sides are in, in theory, against another side, yet yeah, you would say Chelsea are very, very likely to concede. But up against the Brighton side that has not just struggled for goals, but struggled to carry much of a forward threat. When when you've seen the way they've played in the last couple of weeks, they've looked, you know, competent on the ball, but they're, they're playing within within spaces that don't hurt opposition opposition sides. They're not looking to make moves in behind. They're not looking to, to, to threaten with crosses into the box. They're not looking to really ask an awful lot of questions. The Newcastle game last weekend was a prime example. They had one chance, or one really good chance right at the end with the substitute Aaron Connolly that got cleared off the line. If that goes in, it's three points. And and again, you know, it's that's another example of things being masked over. That would have been phrased as three points away from home at St. James's Park. But that's against the Newcastle side that are, that are struggling. So, in an odd way, there's, there's almost similarities to be drawn from, from Chelsea and, and Brighton at the moment. But when you look at the way they're both performing, Chelsea should have enough to win. I'd be relatively confident of that. But I think there's, there's issues for Brighton. I said this right at the start of the season that, you know, the, the whole idea of Potter coming in, he won his first game. Everybody thought this was going to be, you know, a fantastic turnaround for him, that he was going to implement his methods. He's finding it very difficult to implement those methods. He's chopped and changed between having a back five and a back four. Hasn't already hasn't worked very well. He's asking defenders that are very, very stoic in the way that they play in the likes of Shane Duffy and Lewis Dunk. He's, he's suddenly asked them to start dropping into midfield and, and linking the play more. These are players that last season were able to defend and able to pass the ball to feet out of defence, mm-hmm. but they weren't moving out of positions. They weren't being asked to come in and, and slot alongside Dale Stevens or Davy Proper or something like that. Yep. That's what's happening now this season. And, and they're struggling because the players look a little bit lost. Gents, uh, we're coming to near the end of the show, but Mark, just get your predictions on this one, those all-important predictions. I think it's going to be 3-0, Chelsea. Tammy Hattrick? Yeah, why not? I'm putting him in my fantasy team, so I hope so. <laughs> That's triple captain confirmed. Sam, what are you <laughs> going for? Yeah, yeah, something like that. 4-0. 4-0, fantastic. Brighton might be this year's Fulham in the sense of everyone at the start of the season when yeah, they'll be fine. And then the more you look at it, you think, hang on, they might not be fine. They've got so many injuries this weekend. Yeah, in my excess predictions, I actually put Brighton bottom of the league and everyone laughed at me the first week. They're probably still laughing at me. But uh, Fergal? Yeah, I'm going to steal marks and go 3-0 as well. I I just think Chelsea, Chelsea would be far too comfortable. Fantastic. Gents, uh, it's been a fantastic show. We're going to finish on one final game, Everton versus Manchester City. Sam, will you be there? Yeah, I will be. I will be. Are you looking forward to it? Uh, yeah, I yeah. suppose so. I mean, it's work now, isn't it? Really? <laughs> yeah, but I mean, I'd, yeah, it is just work. Yeah, but I'd, I enjoy it. I enjoy watching City play. It's you know, it's great to watch football for a living. Unfortunately, Mark has to watch United, which is probably more. Mm. Imagine soul, saying soul that sapping. ten years ago. I know, mad, isn't it? Um, it watching City, it, no, I am looking forward to it. it. Will be good. But where do they go from after the eight nil against Watford? Uh, just keep chugging on nine nil. Well, yeah, yeah, it's yeah, to keep chugging on. It's 
it's either going to be Everton are going to pull a win out of the bag because they always play a big game against, or generally always play a big game against City or United, um, or it's going to be like five nil to City. I can't. I think. I think City are going to win quite comfortably. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The problems they had at Norwich, individual mistakes. I think Fernandinho being in the back four is better for them. Uh, I think Rodri's going to improve game by game. You know, he might expose the defence a bit more, but with Fernandinho there, it probably won't be as bad as if Stones was there. It can be a bit, you know, problematic when exposed. I think De Bruyne is going to play. Um, so I don't think they're going to have the same kind of problems that they had creating chances. I don't think Everton are well drilled enough to do what Norwich did. They're not, you know, Norwich... Norwich were able to exploit it because whenever they got the ball, they played out from the back really well. You know, one touch stuff. They they weren't just they hadn't just been working on it for training for seven days. They've been doing it, as, you know, since Farkas come in. So they knew exactly what they had to do. Everton, I'm not sure they've got enough about them to to have, make City have one of those bad days that yeah. Norwich made City have. So I, I think I think City should win, and it'd be nice to talk about football again because this whole Bernardo Silva thing, which is mad, and you know, have been handled terribly and. Pep, I'm sure Pep would like to be asked questions about football again because he's not handled these Bernardo, quest- Bernardo questions whatsoever. Yeah, just on that, I mean, it's been a tough week for Pep. I mean, obviously he could have handled it a little bit better. Um, so he sort of carried on today. Could it have been almost put to rest? Yeah, yeah. If he just said Bernardo's a great guy, um, if he's caused any offence, then he, I'm sure he feels bad. You know, the FA investigation's going on. We won't make any further comment, or you know, we'll deal with it mm-hmm. in the club or whatever. No one would ask. No one would ask again. But his his responses kind of kept the story alive because it was like, is Guardiola going to stand by that? Which you know, a lot of people are fine. A lot of City fans listen to this. A lot of non-City fans listen to this. Might just think, oh, you know, it wasn't offensive. Mendy doesn't care. What's the problem? I I think that's stupid for reasons I probably won't go into on yeah. this show, but I certainly will do on Twitter if you want me to. <laughs> um, What's your handle again? Uh, at Sam Lee there we go no underscores or anything or numbers just oh, there fantastic. we go yeah, show off post post uh, uh, but yeah um, but he's just he's just carried on he was asked the same questions today and he doubled down on it which is just mad and I think it, I think it's I think he's done Bernardo no favours really I think it increases the chances of him getting a van because there's more of an appetite for it the, the story's got legs now because Guardiola just keeps feeding the uh, feeding the fire Mark, back to the football. Uh, last season, a Marco Silva Everton team did beat United 4 0. I mean, I don't know if that's saying so much now, but does that almost give Everton hope in going into these big games that they can produce against the top six? I was at that game and I think it said a lot more about United than it did Everton. Right. I would uh, agree with Sam on Everton, the Everton analysis there. I think that, you know, I, I hate using this word, but disjointed. That is, that is what Everton's attack currently is. It doesn't look like there's a real coherent plan. I don't, you know, they brought in Moyes Keane, uh, who I rate as a player, but he's a he's a, he's someone who likes the ball into feet. Now Everton's game, long time, it's about fullbacks getting forward, crosses into the box. If you if your choices are Keane or Dominic Calvert Lewin, two completely different players, and the the attack set up for totally different you know approaches. Mm-hmm. So. I, I really don't see them maybe even getting a goal against City tomorrow. I might be wrong in that. It's I'm it's sure. a real toxic atmosphere as well, isn't it? It's like, he could go after this. Yeah, well, especially after the last Perhaps, game. yeah. I mean, it, it's difficult to see the process and the plan in place. You know, they, They've got... Um, this, this, is, this is the old proof of it's not possession that counts. Everton have got the second highest possession across all their games in yeah. the league this season behind City. But what are they doing with it? Mm. Nothing. Yeah, nothing. Do you think with Marco Silva, because I've heard a lot of players talk about 
playing with him and he's like their best coach but is he that is he just the coach that probably needs that more experience above him maybe a, a director of football or but something it, like it doesn't that. seem like it's the coaching ideas that are coming across though it doesn't seem like there's there's that much of an idea like he's got yeah. he's got players there yeah. that want to play in a certain way but it doesn't seem like so they're obviously gonna have some you know they're, they're gonna have people like Richarlison on the ball and Sigurdsson making chances because that's what they do but they're not putting in an environment where the sum is greater than the parts or you know what I mean they're not they're not putting that environment where they're being coached particularly well so that these combinations work it's they've just got players who want to dribble or want to play passes but they're not linking up properly so I'm not I'm not even sure I would say there's evidence of him being a good coach now he may be but I'm not saying that I'm, I'm not saying there's any particular evidence yeah. that I can see that Fergal um he's been not so quick to bring in those new sign-ins is, is that almost a flaw we can put against him yeah, and to pick up on what Sam said, I think when you look at him, everything about him, his press conferences, his body language, I've said this since he came into the Everton job, Everton fought tooth and nail to get him. They had a PR disaster in the initial stages and started a mini turf war with with Watford over bringing him to the club. And and I said this when he was at Watford and before he came to Everton, what was his way of playing at Watford? What is this, you know, as Sam said, what is this tactical plan? What is this... Marco Silva way of playing. What what players does he get the better best out of? What play? What system does he look to ingratiate players into? And and I think to you know to kind of steal Mark's point. Apologies. That gets you a disjointed team and particularly a disjointed attack because he he looks like he just throws kind of like darts at a board for for the players. Where you go? Why is Dominic Calvert Lewin playing when? the way he wants to play is he wants direct balls into him so he can flick it on or he wants to run into space and pressurise defenders. And then you've got Bernard playing one side of him who definitely wants the ball into feet. You've got Moise Keane who's just kind of hanging around waiting for a chance to fall his way. There's there's no plan. And and that stems from the manager. He, that's been the situation since he came in. It's not as if this season with the money they've spent, things have gone downhill. Mm-hmm. This has been the situation since he came in. And as you say, the signings that he's made this summer, he spent quite a bit of money. Um, I think... On form so far, Alex Iwobi's probably been the pick, but still, we're not we're not really talking about an Iwobi that's really stood out in his first few games or, or keen. But that's not the players' fault. Like they don't know what they're doing, particularly when these players are getting subbed on. They don't know what they're doing. They, they don't know whether they're meant to be playing, making runs in behind defence, coming short for the ball, looking to get on the ball and create things. There's there's very little semblance of a plan. And and if there's one thing that you don't want to be when you've got Manchester City on the way at the weekend, is unorganised and without a tactical plan because they are as well-oiled a machine as you'll come across. And if Everton have a disjointed or a, or an Everton day, yep. Manchester City will tear them apart. You think they'll tear them apart? What do you think the score prediction will be, Fergal? Uh, 3-1, maybe stretch to 4-1. Sam? 4-0, yep. City. Yeah, I went 4 so. as well. I don't think Everton are going to score. Fantastic. Right, gents, just before we go, our own Jim Salverson from the On The Left Side podcast has got uh, an exclusive, I might say. He thinks that Jurgen Klopp might be leaving Liverpool, but for a very bizarre reason. The other big gong, the Manager of the Year award, was given to Jurgen Klopp, which, having guided Liverpool to become champions of Europe, seems fair enough. But maybe those scousers need to make the most of Jurgen while they still can. Klopp's contract with the club still has another two years left to run, but already the German is making noises about a potential departure. Whilst discussing the possibility of an extension to Klopp's deal, his agent, Marcus Ecke, after explaining how the bad weather in Liverpool was an irritant to Jürgen and his wife, told Sporting Witness this. We must wait and see how everything develops and whether climate change will bring better weather to England. 
This can't be a good thing to suggest, can it? Suddenly, Arthur Liverpool are going to be spending their weekend scouting out the biggest, most fuel-guzzling, dirtiest motor they can afford in the hope that somehow those CO2 emissions might add a couple of degrees to the weather on the Costa del Merseyside. This should all come as absolutely no surprise to Liverpool fans. That if Klopp does decide to leave Liverpool, he will blame the weather. Because that's what Klopp does. He blames the weather. Forget Liverpool versus Everton. Forget Rangers versus Celtic. Forget Roma versus Lazio. Football's biggest rivalry is Klopp versus the weather. It's his biggest nemesis. There was the time he blamed the wind. Not sure if you felt it, but the wind was really strange. Today it was really difficult. There was the time he blamed the pitch for being too dry. The pitch was really dry. <laughs> we started, we gave all water we had, and then after 15 minutes it was really dry. There was the time he blamed the weather. The weather circumstances didn't help as well for a good football game in general. There was the other time he blamed the wind. If you felt it, but the wind was really strange, difficult to handle. There was the time he blamed the snow. And then it started snowing and that made it not easier. Not that the snow is actually not a problem. The only problem is if it stays on a pitch. That time he blamed it on being too windy. The wind was came from all directions. So you saw that a lot of situations didn't help. There was the other time he blamed the pitch for being a bit dry. But the pitch got dry and dry. And there was the time he blamed the wind again. Really difficult to, to play football with this wind. There was that time he blamed it on being a bit too windy. That the uh, wind didn't help with that. And all the other times he blamed it for being windy. The first goal was yeah, a little bit maybe the wind. You can find more from On The Left Side in our weekly podcast. Find us wherever you listen to podcasts. Mark, I'll come to you. Obviously, we spoke <laughs> about um, Marco Silva might be the next manager to depart. Uh, could Klopp be on the way for reasons of weather? <laughs> so, this, this all stems from, as far as I'm aware, a comment made by his agent in an interview, yep. if, if that's right, where I think Klopp has come out since and said that, oh, don't take it too seriously, he's just joking, it's just, you know... German sense of humour or whatever. Um, Which obviously they're world renowned for. Of course. Yep. I think <laughs> I think there is, to be honest, there has been a kind of unsaid kind of truth at Liverpool for a while that maybe Klopp isn't going to sign another contract. When he came in, he uh, he obviously like you know came in midway through the season, kind of turned things around, got them to Europa League final, lost it. Okay, they signed signed a I think it was a seven year contract immediately after that, and I think there's been a kind of acceptance that. That's probably going to run up until 2022 and then he might be ready for a break. And I think that is the basis that Liverpool seem to be working on. Klopp's hinted at it before. So, you know, if he goes, it's it's probably going to be because it's just come to a, a natural end of the of his time there rather than any uh, climate change. Yeah, well, Fergal, if he could win the Premier League, <laughs> Champions League, would he be up in the, the names of the greats? For Liverpool, yeah, I think the, the Champions League win uh, last season has already put him in that conversation. Any Liverpool fan that you speak to will say he's, he's the best manager the majority have seen in, in their lifetime. Um, climate change, you know, it affects all of us. It affects me, it affects you, it affects Jurgen Klopp, apparently. Um, but I think, you know, obviously Jim's just having a little bit of needle with Liverpool fans that Jurgen Klopp has. It's only when you listen to the clips you realise, wow, he does he does talk about the weather quite a bit, particularly the wind. Um, but I don't machine, think... Though, isn't it? He I said it's... in that Players' Tribune article the other day, he was like, sometimes I'm about <laughs> loser so yeah just a bit <laughs> but I think it's more likely um, that as, as Mark said that it's a break that he goes for than another job you know everybody loves a conspiracy theory that he's he's got his eye on the Bayern Munich job or the German national team job I do see it more likely that as he did after Dortmund and, and, and had a, a brief break to kind of to reassess his next challenge and I think 
the situation that he's had at Liverpool, he, he's absolutely bulletproof. Um, mm-hmm. I'd even go as far as to say, if he doesn't win the league between now and the end of his contract, I don't, I don't know how damaged his reputation will be amongst Liverpool fans, such as the regard that they hold hold him in, whether we agree with that or not. That's that's the level that he's that he's working on at the moment. Um, obviously, they'll be frustrated. This is the best opportunity that they're going to have to win the league, but unfortunately, they're up against an all-conquering Manchester City side. So, yep. in terms of where Klopp goes next, I, I would say a break, and then he reassesses his options. But I think unless Liverpool do win the league, as Mark said, any potential chance for a contract extension probably goes out the window. Sam, just finally, the most hypothetical of hypothetical questions to end this wonderful show. If he was to go, I mean, they were talking about it in the week. Steven Gerrard is almost what Frank Lampard is to Chelsea, is he not? Yeah. Yeah. Um, in terms of going in there next, but it's that'll be it's a nightmare job. It's like it's going to be a nightmare job for anyone replacing Guardiola. There's, yeah, you, you could ask the question: Who is going to do it? And there's there's no one who can take over Liverpool and do that because Klopp and Liverpool are a perfect fit. He's got them playing great football. And the thing is, by the way, obviously everyone wants him to stay as long as possible, and everyone at City wants Guardiola to stay as long as possible. But if they do leave in two years or eighteen months. They've had them. They've had them long enough. Managers don't stay yeah. at clubs and stay successful at clubs for that long. You know, Ferguson was a freak. Wenger yeah. was a freak. Dynasties are out of fashion now. They, you look they at just the don't happen. Yeah. So I mean, they're you know they're lucky to have have had the managers at all. I wouldn't be too worried that you know if, if we're talking about them not extending beyond a couple of years. But I, I mean, yeah, Gerard is the obvious one, but uh, he's probably not going to turn it down because. You wouldn't want to turn a job down like that because, you know, like Lampard, people are saying, oh, maybe it's too early. He should go for it in a couple of years. It's a difficult job. But thinking about it, if the job comes your way, you're never going to turn it down. No. But it's it'll be a nightmare to inherit. Really difficult. I'd be surprised if they got if they went for Gerard. And all those players are going to want to move on as well at both clubs. Yeah. When the managers are gone, the players might think, oh, I need something else. Yeah. Sorry, Mark. It's okay. I, I think that they, I'd be surprised if they went for him because it feels like it's that emotional pull and that's the only really convincing thing. I mean, Gerard's not really done much with Rangers so far to really say that he deserves this job. And that kind of emotion, Liverpool, you know, we, they have this, there's this kind of image of Liverpool as a club that's built on sentiment and, you know, it's a, you know, special city or whatever, and you know they all band together. I think the people who run things at Liverpool, they they are successful now because they're very smart, and I don't think they're going to look and think, well, who can replace Klopp? Uh, well, Stevie Gerrard's available; he's the next player. Mm. They're probably going to look and try and get someone. You know, I, it's hard to say if if we're talking about three years' time, but uh, Tuchel or I, I don't know someone in the same David kind Moyes? of mould. <laughs> Why not? And for a penny, <laughs> but, but yeah, I, I could see you know only if Gerard says Linders. no. Yeah, yeah, or even Pep Linders is assistant at the moment. I think they're going to go for somebody in that same model rather than rather than just an ex-pro or ex-player. Right, gents, thank you very much for today, Mark. You off to Old Trafford on Monday. Old Trafford Monday and Goodison tomorrow as well with Sam. Maybe sat next to each other again. Hope so. You looking forward to that, <laughs> wedged in tight at Goodison. Yeah, I am. Yeah, definitely. Perfect. Gents, well, thank you very much for today. Um, You can download the podcast now and don't forget you can get on your Amazon Alexa and get 20 team Premier League updates. All you have to do is enable Sports Social. We'll be back every day because it's the only place you can get daily Premier League news on the Football Social Daily. Football Social Daily. Premier League Preview.